This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller? I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hey y'all, welcome back to this week's episode of Her with Amina Brown. And ooh, we are like fully into the fall fall right now. Y'all know I live in the South, so... By the time some of y'all, some of y'all already got snow like a few weeks ago and we're just now like, oh, it's chilly outside. <laughs> but let me tell you a question that's on my mind right now as I am going into this, you know, seasonal transition. OK, so initially when the pandemic began and we were all quarantined for, I don't know, the five days that we were all quarantined. I was like, okay, I need to just decide on some outfit things that I just wear at my house. And basically, I've been able to just cast aside the clothing that I don't really enjoy wearing. But I wore because I was outside and I was going to see other people. So I still to this day, I think maybe I've only worn a pair of jeans once in this whole time since 
the pandemic tipped in the States, okay? My main summer, like end of spring into summer attire was mostly like I have some biker shorts. I have leggings. I have some very comfortable sort of harem-like pants that I bought from H&M a few years ago. And I basically just swapped those out with various t-shirts. And of course, there are no bras involved. Now, 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 I will say, because I am at the bust size I am at, when I would be out in the public seeing people, you know, and especially if, when I was doing like event work and stuff like that, that type of thing for my bus size requires an underwire bra. And I'm going to tell you that I can probably count, uh, it's, it's definitely less than 10 times I've worn an underwire bra since the pandemic started. Okay. Now, one thing I have gotten into is a little miracle called bralettes. Okay, I've gotten into that. Now, there's only certain brands that provide a bralette for those of us who are towards the larger spectrum of bust size. Okay, but I have gotten involved in some of these brands. I have gotten into this Fenty situation. Shout out to Rihanna, who I'm sure is listening to this podcast. And Fenty has provided me some bralettes that give me the vibes of a bra. That's really all I want in my life. I don't want the actual full bra. I just want the vibes. And that's basically what Fenty is giving me. But now it is colder and I realize that I have not beefed up properly what I'm going to be wearing inside. I'm going to tell y'all the truth. There was one year that things went really bad for me towards the end of the year. I want to say this was like the end of 2017, end of 2018. And things were going so badly for me that I spent most of November and December that year ordering pajamas. So because of that, I have a nice selection of pajamas and in particular pajamas that you can wear when it's getting cold outside. I've got like some donut pajamas. I've got two sets of Christmas pajamas. I mean, a girl was busy. A girl was busy being very sad and very depressed, but being determined to be wearing comfortable clothes while feeling those feelings. Okay. Now I feel like I saw a lot of, you know, articles out there, different, you know, style gurus that were like, don't just stick to your leggings now that it's fall. Here are some trends you can do. And I was like, wow, I'm not going to do any of that. So what I'm trying to do, y'all, is just transition my biker short legging life into a sweatsuit life. That's the life that I'm trying to live. But I realized as I looked through my fall winter clothing, I'm really not prepared, you know. So I have put out there to some of you on social media, you have given me some suggestions to look into. So I'm going to look into that and I'm going to report back to y'all. But I want you to tell me what what are you doing? Those of you that are still working from home or are still, you know, pretty much quarantined. There's a certain section of us that are still pretty much quarantined all this time. So those of you that are just at home a lot, or even if you do have to go out and work and do your things, when you get home, what is your pandemic attire? What are the pieces of clothing that you've just decided pandemic me doesn't do that anymore? Let's discuss. So I'm trying out a new segment that I think I'm going to make something of a regular appearance here on the podcast. And this segment is called Things Nobody Told Me About. And for today's edition of Things Nobody Told Me About, I want to talk about transvaginal ultrasounds. And I know, I know, maybe you're in your car, maybe you're at work listening to this and you're like, wait a minute, wow, whoa, was not expecting that. But 
Is that a thing anybody told you about? Because nobody discussed that with me. And I want to talk about a couple of things. Number one, I want to talk about the fact that just in general, ultrasounds, like my only exposure to that was on television, right? And typically when you see ultrasounds on television, ultrasounds are happening to a pregnant lady, right? And it's like the tube of whatever stuff they put on the tummy. They like rub whatever the little thing is on there. And that's how that goes. I want to tell you that that is not the only type of ultrasound that can happen to you. And these ultrasounds happen to people who are not pregnant. And I want to talk about this because I feel like this is something somebody should have discussed with us, okay? First of all, I'm going to tell you that it actually, as a term, is very misleading. I mean, when you hear a term like transvaginal, doesn't it sound like you're taking a long journey across the vagina? You know what I'm saying? It sounds like you are getting in a boat, you're getting in some sort of vehicle, and now you are taking a cross-vagina road trip. That's It just gives me the like around the uterus in 180 days sort of vibes. So even the transvaginal part, sort of makes me feel like I should be taking a trip, but something is taking a trip in a part of my body that is not very enjoyable for me. Also want to talk about when you have a transvaginal ultrasound, those of you that have had one, you understand me right now. You understand the awkward things because sometimes this is a part of your GYN appointment. They've got to like check on some things And somehow, in all these years of scientific advancement, this is the only option we have of being able to get information. I just don't understand that. I feel like there should be a lot more options, a lot more scientific advancements for us, okay? I also want to discuss what happens when you have to have a transvaginal ultrasound and the amount of awkward conversations that you might be a part of as a result. And I don't know, sometimes as I'm telling y'all this, I'm just wondering if there are times that I am having awkward conversation, but it actually doesn't feel that awkward to me. Because when I think about it, kind of depends on the person, I guess. But sometimes, I don't know, I just, there are some situations where maybe I feel more comfortable than I should. (laughs) And I don't know what it is about having to have these appointments, but I'm just going to tell you that I've had some awkward conversations, you know, that I feel like in a way, though, there are conversations that other people would think are awkward, not necessarily conversations that I felt super awkward to have in the moment. Like uh, one time I had an appointment and had to have a transvaginal ultrasound and the sonographer came in to facilitate said ultrasound. And while she was doing the ultrasound, we had a nice conversation about this guy she was dating. And we were basically talking about her definition of date being different from his definition of date, right? And like he planned this whole date for her, but it was like outside fishing. That was like the date he wanted them to have. So then they went and had that date and he had in his mind like, oh, after we go and have this like outdoorsy experience, you know, we will then go to this nice restaurant afterwards. And she was like, I appreciate him planning the date, but nothing about going fishing is romantic to me. Like I would rather skip the fishing part, skip the part where we were outside and sweaty and smelly and just skip that and go right to the restaurant. And 
I never really had that much conversation with her until that very moment. And we talked about that and just how, you know, people have different definitions of dating and how we can improve upon communication. And right by the time we got to that point, you know, ultrasound was over. So what am I saying to you? I'm just saying that somebody should have told us about transvaginal ultrasounds. Somebody should have told us that it is not a road trip across your vagina for fun. It's not that. Somebody should have told us it is not uh, the amazing race, but in your fallopian tubes, it's not that. Somebody should have told us that someday you're going to be a grown lady and you will go into the doctor and it's not going to be like on television. They're going to take a wand and put that someplace that's very precious and private to you. And then what else is going to happen? They're going to take pictures while they're in there. Yo, okay. Also, what does this mean for you? Listen, if you have to have an appointment or you have to have a transvaginal ultrasound, here are a couple of things you can do to assist yourself in trying to be at peace as much as possible, okay? Number one, just try to be present with your uterus, okay? Try to be present there. You know, if you feel a certain type of way, Imagine how your uterus feels. Imagine how your vagina feels, okay? Try to give some room and space in your emotions for the feelings of your uterus. Try to be present there. Another thing you can try is maybe think about if, you know, your vagina or your uterus has a theme song. And maybe during the time of your appointment, you can sing that song. Maybe that will also bring some peace to your nether regions, okay? Hey, I'm also going to tell you, you know what? Sometimes you might need to go ahead and just get involved in a little awkward conversation. Maybe it won't be as awkward as you thought. I also learned in an appointment, another appointment where I had a transvaginal ultrasound, I learned about painting inside of a house. Had a lot of conversations about how that works had a lot of conversation about how you decide between someone else painting the inside of your house or you deciding to DIY. Listen, sometimes you go ahead and have that conversation. And yes, maybe you're having an awkward moment because this is somebody that's got a wand up your nether regions. However, another thing that could be happening is you could learn a little something, okay? All in all, if you have to have a transvaginal ultrasound or any type of situation at the doctor's office, it's going to be poking into your vagina. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Give yourself opportunities to do your deep breathing beforehand, decompress afterwards, do whatever you can. But if this is your first time hearing about this, that's why we have this segment, because transvaginal ultrasounds, that's a thing that nobody told me about. So this is your time to share with me. What are some things that nobody told you about that you wish they would have told you about? And I would love for you to share this with me. You can get in my DMs on Instagram or Twitter. You can tweet me directly. You can use the hashtag herwithamina or you can use the hashtag askamina. I would love to hear your thoughts about this. What are the things that you wish somebody would have told you? In the before times, I would have celebrated homecoming a couple of weeks ago at my alma mater, Spelman College. Two of my roommates from school and I had developed this tradition of eating soul food and tailgating together. We even stopped by our old dorm rooms and met the students who live there now. In this episode from the Her Archives, Candace Benbo and I discuss Beyonce's homage to the HBCU homecoming from her Netflix special and album, Homecoming. Listen in as Candace and I talk all things Beyonce and why HBCUs are so important. 
I want to welcome creator of the Lemonade Syllabus, creator of Red Lip Theology, the movement and the podcast, founder of Zion Hill Media Group and the Louise Marie Foundation, theologian, speaker, essayist, and creative. I want to welcome to her with Amina Brown, Candice Benbo. Woo! <laughs> y'all don't even Thank understand. You. This is, y'all don't understand. This is great. Like, you need to feel Thank great. If you're you. in your car, like listening, wherever you are listening, <laughs> you need to feel super great right now. Candace, thank you so much oh for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So first of all, I'm trying to think how I got connected to you initially. I know I uh-huh. connected to you online, Candace, but right. I can't remember what it was that prompted me to follow you. And it may have been around the time that you were creating the Lemonade Syllabus because every Black woman I know was like, send your things to Candace. (laughs) Man, when I tell you people had my my cell phone number was being passed around, I was getting text messages from people. I was like, who are you? "Um, You don't know me, but I want you to put my suggestions in the Lemonade Syllabus. So, yeah, so that was a that was a wonderful time. Oh, my gosh. Like, I was like, who who is this amazing woman like doing the Lord's work? You know, like that's I was just like, this is God's work that Candace is doing, because when Lemonade came out, it just had not just so many layers as a creative piece, but so many layers that were just speaking to black women, to our history, uh, paying homage to all of this other art Black women had released before and books. And I mean, it was just all the Toni Morrison and Daughters of the Dust. And I was just like, how can I? I was like, how will I process this? And then I was like, ah, Candace has fixed this for all of us. We have a way to process this and refer to all of the different resources and just encouraging people to enjoy Lemonade and also reflect back on the things that inspired it. So shout out to that, Candace. Thank you for doing that Thank work. Thank you. Thank you. It, it is to date one of the things that I am the most proud of. One of the beautiful things about Lemonade was that um, I feel like I feel like we had grown up with Beyonce mm-hmm. and this kind of gave us our, like this made her grown. Like, and I hate the way that heartbreak and kind of like this emotional sadness and trauma that we experience when we love people. Um, I hate how that kind of grows us up in ways, right? Yeah, right? And so this experience for us is rooted in a legacy of experiences, mm-hmm. right? That like that this iconic work that I don't even think that we've just fully scratched the surface on what Lemonade really is, that this iconic work is a daughter of, right, all of these other works, right? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, the hope is and the belief is that we'll be able to years from now build on works, right? Mm -hmm. That like when, whenever we do like a 10th anniversary, 15th anniversary, there'll be so many more books that we get to add to and works of art and pieces of art that we get to add to the reader, the collection, um, to continue to show the ways that Black women lean into their own flourishing and their own survival. Oh, I'm just here for everything about that. I'm here for I'm here for the way <laughs> you brought up the word legacy there. That you know there are all these 
Black women before this moment, you know, that were making things that inspired, you know, an artist like Beyonce to make the things she made. And in the time she's made this, that more Black women to come will make these things that need to be included in the conversation. I want to ask you, because we have to, I feel like before we can go into like an in-depth conversation about this, we have to establish like where we both are on the levels of fandom related to Beyonce. So I just Mm -hmm. want us to do like a little check-in right here. So what was your journey regarding being a fan of Beyonce? Was, would you have looked at from the beginning, Destiny's Child, you were always a fan. You always been into every album that she made or was there some point where you were like, okay, wants to take a second, listen to this and take these things seriously? So I was always a fan of Destiny's Child. Like I remember when it was the original group mm-hmm. and I felt like Destiny's Child, Destiny's Child was my SWV, right? It was my escape. Mm-hmm. Like all of these groups that my cousins listened to and the that played on like the oldies radio at that point um that my mom let me listen to I felt like I finally had that group but when they went through that horrible <laughs> shakeup where two of them got replaced I really thought that it was over for them until Survivor and when it came out that Beyonce wrote Survivor after reading people's comments and the bloggers and, and news media saying that, that Destiny's Child was done, when she wrote Survivor, I was like, yeah, something's different about her. I love the first album. I think that if you love Destiny's Child, you loved whatever she put out. But I, I don't think it was until B-Day that we really was like, Oh, she's not a game at all. Like, like <laughs> you part. know, there's like there's like it was that moment where you were like, oh, okay, so like I'm a fan and I don't even really know who I'm a fan of, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. it's that moment where you were looking like she is otherworldly. And I think that we begun to see that with B Day, that she was this force that you were like, where does she come from? Who are her people? You know, all like it was just amazing. And so from that point forward, particularly when you're thinking about college um, and the ways that you come of age, my coming of age really happened, you know, in undergrad and those years immediately following undergrad. And she was she was making music at that time. And so she really soundtracked for me and for many others my journey into adulthood and into womanhood. And I was always from the moment of B-Day. That was when I was like, I will never miss a concert that she's in. And she actually was the person who I began to pay more so that I could be closer (laughs) to um, the stage. Like she was that person. And then I also began to critique other concerts based off of hers. If you've never been to a B show, like you don't know that for what you got at homecoming is really what happens. Like for two hours plus, she is giving you everything, high energy, all of the songs. And I just remember saying like, if you can't do that, then I don't want to see or hear anything that you got to say (laughs) or sing. And so... Like, before the surprise album, 
I really just stand her, was a stand as like this dope musical genius who was putting out songs that really reckoned with who I was and what I needed to listen to. Um, and it was at the moment of the surprise album that I humanized her. And she became, I say this without, without any qualm, like through her music, B is one of my spiritual teachers. She has given me permission to lean into the truth of who I am. And often we don't see entertainers in that light, particularly Black women. And then the fact that she's pretty, (laughs) like she can't, she's pretty She's a Black woman. She's making music that is consumed on a global, international scale. She can't be smart, right? She can't make conscious decisions with the music and with the art to push her listeners, to push her fans to think differently about themselves and the world around them. And the surprise album for me was the moment where I was like, okay, like she unlocked an affirmation in me of like who I am sexually, who I am as a woman and um, and embracing all of those things. And from every project since, I've approached it not as just a body of music and not as just a body of art, but what is she offering me that will help me best understand myself? Yes. Yes. I feel like now, especially, I feel like super late to the whole Beyonce party (laughs) because, I mean, I remember Destiny's Child and I I enjoyed some of their songs. In particular, I do want to give some honorable mention to Bugaboo, which is like probably my favorite Destiny's Child song of all time. (laughs) And I don't care that it's full of verses of things that now don't make any sense to most people. Like, I was just talking to some of my girlfriends about this. Like, that verse when she's like, you made me want to throw my pager out the window. Tell yes. MCI to cut the phone cord. Break my lease cut so I can move. Because you're, you're a bugaboo. I was right. just like, thank you. Like, she brought up MCI. Yes. <laughs> One of these verses. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't care what y'all say. Like, I, I want the DJ to drop that song. One good time for me. On a dance floor. That was like my favorite Destiny Shaw song. But... I just, I, I remember like my freshman year roommate had that Destiny Child poster up, you know, on her side of the room. And I, I didn't feel that way about Destiny Child at the time. So then when Beyonce's like solo stuff came out, I remember seeing that, that music video for Crazy in Love. And I was like, I see that we are growing up today. I yes. see that things are growing up with us, Beyonce. And I was in support of it, but I still wasn't at the point where I was like, anytime an album of hers comes out, I have to buy it. So I didn't buy that one. And I think the first album of hers that I bought, and I was just thinking about this before we started recording today, was I Am Sasha Fierce. And wow, and that's and that's the highest we favorite. Album. So I'm I know for the Beehive members, I'm walking in on, you know, right. <laughs> I'm I'm walking in on something ice out here. But it's so crazy what you were saying about how her music sort of became, you know, this like soundtrack of your own development as a woman in so many ways. Because I remember being in an airport, I think it was July 4th week. I was flying back from some gig I had performed at. 
And I was listening mm-hmm. to that I Am Sasha Fierce and got to Halo and realized I was in love with this man. I realized I was head over heels in love with him, listening to that. And simultaneously, Candace, realizing, and there is no future for us. Like, there's nothing good that's going to come from being with him. And you are head over heels in love with him. I mean, that was my moment of being like, this woman is not just, like, making music that jams, but something about me listening to it is also impacting how I view myself. I mean, that that album with the If I Were a Boy, and you know, there was just like some dynamics right. inside of the songs there. So then after that, I was like, well, first of all, now I got to go back and get all these albums out of Mist. And after that, I'm like, okay, well, now I got to check out all these records. And like you, when the self-title dropped, just she was on some like, oh, it's December. Here y'all are. Enjoy this. Right. That also impacted me because I was like, I see that Beyonce has come into her sexual yes. feelings as a woman and I also am in my sexual feelings and I just I mean I was like two years into being married to my husband I was like yes I've been drinking yes yes I get filthy when that look at getting for me oh my gosh I was just oh, yes. I was into everything okay so then when Lemonade came out <laughs> Um, Candace knows me enough to know that I don't have no sense. So <laughs> I was watching Lemonade and, you know, the first like scene when it's like her sitting in front of the red, it's like a red curtain. She's sitting in front of a stage and she's saying, I'm like, oh, Lord, somebody in Beyonce's life that had their heart broke and she's writing these songs just to help <laughs> them. And then by the time it got to like the second or third song, I was like, ooh, Jay, mm-hmm. what you do? Why you do that? Then by the time it got to like the fourth or fifth song, I was like, is this about Jay or America? <laughs> what wow, is yeah, yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. So, it gave you all of it. Yeah. So that was kind of like my Beyonce journey. But now like I'm on board. I have been to see her live twice. I went to see her the first time in Miami when she and Jay first did the On the Run tour. And mm-hmm. like you, one of my girlfriends was turning 40. We paid that money for those floor seats. I have never regretted a dollar of that money. Never. Girl, you don't. Never. You I don't, don't regret one dollar I spent. Went to the Lemonade Tour in Atlanta. So, you know, it was like the National Black Girl Meeting. I was like, yes. oh, my gosh. It's so many Black women wearing their African clothes. Everybody was just like, whatever your foolishness is, I'm not here for it. <laughs> like the vibe through the whole place. So it's interesting to me just when we talk about artists and music in general, but I think in particular when we talk about artists who are Black women and how their music also is writing our story too, even as they're like creating this work. And I never thought I would feel that way about Beyonce because India Ari was kind of that for me. Like every album of hers, I'd be like, how she know, how she know, you know? I never thought I'd feel that way about someone who could also sort of make, like you said, make pop music, make this music that could go on your top 40, is also on your adult contemporary, is also on your hip-hop station, you know, an artist that makes that music. I never thought I would just love her as much as I do. So Beyonce's Homecoming, how did you watch it the first time? Did you watch it just by yourself? Did you watch it right when it came out? What, what did you do that first time? I watched it when it was a Coachella performance. Coachella as a music festival streams the first weekend. And so everyone knew that she was performing because it was Pacific time. 
I think we were up at like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning (laughs) watching uh, this YouTube live stream. And um, I was live tweeting it. And I was in complete and total awe. Because when I'm a graduate of a historically black college and university, and so the first seconds where you hear the drum, you instantly know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so I was mesmerized because it took me back to undergrad and it and and it took me back to my childhood because my mom graduated from a historically black college and university that was in our hometown. And so I grew up going to their homecoming. And so before I went to college, so it invoked every feeling of nostalgia. But then also you knew that this was the fact that we were getting that caliber of show at a festival that really isn't catered to Black folk, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that she chose in that moment to make her performance explicitly Black was just profound. And so for a year, <laughs> we've been feasting off of like these YouTube clips and people's <laughs> like video, grainy video from that day to when they announced that there was going to be the homecoming film. And I actually watched it by myself because the funny part was I had a flight that day. Oh. And that morning, and I stayed up. I was like, well, I mean, I'm I'm going to be up anyway because it was dropping on Netflix at three in the morning. And everybody went to sleep because there was some of us that went to sleep early because we knew we were going to be up at three to watch it. And I was one of them. And so my friends and I, we were all in like a side group chat when we were up. But to watch it, one, you are watching this performance again in just the clarity and color and high depth that you didn't see the first time. But then infused with all of the behind the scenes pieces, it really took my breath away because, again... You knew that homecoming was this moment. Like, I feel like Beyonce doesn't create just art anymore. She creates these cultural moments that are like, what in the world? You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. that are just like, oh my God. And there was this space that meant you had this moment where you you were seeing that homecoming for her meant something completely different. And something much more than it was for homecoming for us, right? Mm-hmm. That it was her reintroducing herself to herself, right? Yeah, that like yeah. after this extremely painful pregnancy, difficult pregnancy, and this like struggle to get back to her body and herself, like that this was this this celebration, right? Mm-hmm. Of of what it meant to accomplish and achieve something, right? And Homecoming made the most sense because homecoming is the space where you get to be around the people who know you the best, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's this notion that like that we say all the time that family isn't always the family that you're born into, but family gets to be the family that you choose. Mm -hmm. And she said as much, right, about how, you know, everybody who took a part of of homecoming for her became like her family. 
But, you know, there's something about homecoming and going back to school, going back to your undergrad, your alma mater, and being around the people who you consider to be the family that you chose, who can tell you the truth about yourself and inspire you to be your best self, that made it all the more special to know that this was also about her acknowledging that the Beyonce that we'd even known is not necessarily the woman that she is anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and how powerful is that to admit, to say like, she's like, I'm not even trying to be who I used to be. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not even trying to be who I was anymore. Like, I'm something completely new and different and even more powerful that I just, I think I marvel at her ability to tell the truth, even as costly as it was on her body um, to, and as taxing as it was to create what she did for not only us, but for herself. Yeah. Oh, like when I saw that the film and album were going to be called Homecoming, like that just had me in my feelings so bad because just seeing that word and its cultural implications to me, having also attended a historically Black college And living in the D.C. area when I was a little girl, my mom was a nurse in the Army. She was stationed at Walter Reed. So I remember going to like Hampton and Howard homecomings, even as a little girl. Like there's so many Black women I've talked to since the album and film have been out that have talked about even if whether or not they attended historically Black college or university themselves that had childhood memories of going to homecoming at other HBCUs, which I thought was just... It's just fascinating to hear that because I'm like, I remember going to Howard's homecoming when they were playing Hampton, which meant it just felt like double homecoming because, (laughs) you know, all the Hampton people came and tell like it felt like like the scene in the film when one of the dancers or musicians was saying, you know, homecoming was our Coachella. It was a festival. Like and I remember being like, okay, I came to a game that also had food vendors but there were also dance and step performances and music performances, <laughs> like all of that encompassed in one experience, right? In one experience, like a fashion show, a family reunion. A, I mean, it was just all of these things happening at one time that all make sense, that all work together to just like you get to relive for a weekend for 48 hours, no more than 72, right? Like that you get to relive this time that one, if you went there, you get to relive these years that really, and celebrate the times that really grew you up, right? And Mm -hmm. if you are, and if you didn't go there, but you are part of the community, then you get to experience every year just getting back with your people and having fun and just, you know, enjoying where life has taken all of us that at least we can get back together for a few days to just kick it and have fun. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great, too with thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Yeah, like I actually went to homecoming this past fall and I went with two of my roommates from school, my roommate from my freshman year and my roommate from my sophomore year. And one of the things, and I haven't been back to homecoming in a while, but one of the things that I really just loved and almost wanted to feel teary about, because I don't know what it is about being in your 30s. I just, you know, I have a lot of tears available. So I was just feeling my feelings because, you know, I'm out here, you know, seeing all of the generations of homecoming, right? So it's like my, I graduated from college in 2002. So there's sort of like an era of people within that five to 10 years that had a similar experience. Some of those buildings were the same or some of the people who may have been on faculty or in administration were the same during like your time of school. But then there might be people there who graduated 20 years before you. And you can tell that they all had a certain experience, the way their tents were set up at homecoming or the music they had playing, (laughs) you know, from their DJ that they brought to their tent where they were grilling and getting to see even some of the women who graduated in the 60s or the 70s and how the DJ would kind of hit those different eras of time and you would see them there. And of course, I looked at my girlfriends and I said, you know, y'all know that um, that's going to be us in 20 years dancing a juvenile because um, mm-hmm. that's going to be our little, you know, they had brick house and that juvenile is going to be us. And I hope my hips that were still, right. you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's ours. Right. Well, my hips to still be able to do those things, you know, my hips and my knees. Speaking of knees, That's one of the comments uh, that I need to discuss about Beyonce's homecoming. I decided to have a black girl watch party. I really am Uh terrible at taking pictures, Candice. I really, I really should have gotten a good picture so that I could have, you know, hashtag red lip revival because Uh the film coming out that Wednesday before Easter. Well, I ended up having my black girl watch party on Good Friday. And I was like, you know, people, people, I was like, feel your feelings. This is what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like, come to the house. We ate our little food. You know, everybody brought different little um, homecoming-inspired snacks. <laughs> yeah, no. And um, you will be so proud, Candace. I did a lemonade bar. So oh we had lemonade, girl. And then we cut up limes and lemons and strawberries and basil and mint, you know. So oh each woman could, you know, doctor up her lemonade as she felt, you know, she wanted to. Oh, I'm feeling that. So I'm we had so that. much fun. But one of the things we talked about, no lie, is like at least one person made this comment one time. At least, Like at least all of us said at least once. These dancers knees, girl. Like... What what kind of was Beyonce also offering like physical therapy? Because I'm, have I Girl. reached past the point that my knees are ever going to do that? Yes. <laughs> like you're talking about these are like these are like 18, 19, early 20 year olds 
that, you know, I mean, and even she told us, she was like, what she did to get in shape, she was like, I would never push myself that far again. <laughs> like, the dropping, the popping up that quickly, like, I just was like, I... I don't think I ever could have done that, Mm-mm. but I remember when it <laughs> when it was done. Maybe when I was eight, I think my knees could have done that Listen, when I was I eight. Think that, I think it was like maybe six, seven. It was, that was about it. But yeah, like I mean, and I think even when you're talking about like re- rehearsing for eight, nine months straight, you're talking about a commitment to just this kind of like precision yeah that that again I think I think it went beyond them saying like oh we're doing this with Beyonce to oh we really gotta like this is something major and this is something important and we gotta really you know step up and do our part to ensure that it's done well I felt like everybody from dancers to musicians knew that this was this was something special. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just, oh, you know, when I look back, I'll get to say I danced with Beyonce. But then when I look back, I got to say that I was a part of a cultural phenomenon and a moment that, you know, I, I mean, our I feel like the same way that a different world was formational for us Mm -hmm. I think that these kids will be able to watch Homecoming and know that Beyonce did this in light of what happens at HBCUs and then to hear her commitment to financial commitments at HBCUs and I think it's going to attract them in ways in the same kind of way that for many of our generation we watched a different world and was like, I want that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like just getting to see yourself reflected or maybe in a way when I think about a different world, I mean, to see what I thought I could be or what I thought I could be, you know, could become in my future. Exactly. Like getting to see that in those characters and think like, oh man, like I want to know what that's like. I want to know what that life is. So the thought, and and I do want to give a special shout out to YSB Magazine. And I know it's only going to be like 10 people listening <laughs> that's going to remember YSB. <laughs> but I want to give a shout out to Young Sisters and Brothers Magazine because during the time that A Different World was on, I had a subscription to that magazine. And they would have like an issue every year that was like their HBCU issue. And I remember uh-huh. like taking the pages out when it would have like the yeah. top 10 HBCUs in the country. And I remember like putting that up on my wall, like this is going to be me and just how a piece of art could give you a glimpse of how you want to move forward in your life or what you could see your future becoming, you know? There was boundless potential and inherent possibility in remaining true to your Blackness from day one, right? So like, because the truth is, is that so many of us had often heard, because we are part of the generation that began to hear about the benefits of going elsewhere other than HBCU, right? Mm-hmm. So like for my mom's generation, it was it was HBCU and that was it. Like that was where the best and the brightest went in the generations prior. And then as more like my note, quote minority scholarships and minority presence grants came, 
that, and then this conversation of, and I hated it. And I know you probably heard it in school too, that a black college experience doesn't give you the quote unquote real world right. experience because, mm-hmm. you know, the foolishness that they said to discount and to discredit our time there, that it wasn't just about, you know, going to a black school for entertainment or for the social aspect, but that we can really look and say that we have classmates who really left and changed the world, whether they were doctors or attorneys or, you know, engineers or people like us who are leaning into creative spaces to create, you know, content that, that heals and that inspires. A lot of us got the training a lot of us developed the courage. A lot of us had our voices and our talents nurtured in HBCU spaces. And it continues to be, for me, this beautiful possibility mm. that kids will be able to see these students that got to participate with Beyonce and got and they get to see the names of the Black colleges. Yeah. Right, that that flashed up on homecoming and homecoming, and like then get to see and say like, okay, what are they offering there? Or get connected to us in certain ways, and then say that's the kind of experience that I want. I'm really, I think again about the ways that she doesn't just create music anymore, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. She's somebody who has taken her healing seriously. She's somebody who takes her art seriously and knows that um, that a project, a song, an album, a concert, an experience can do several different things at one time. And that she's been blessed with this amazing platform to do several different things at once. Yeah. It's like I watched the film like several times and probably with different with a different lens in certain ways each time or in different moments like as a stage performer I'm looking at that and thinking and I thought the same way when I went to see Beyonce live just like this is a solid like two hours of content and I there wasn't one time that I was like I gotta go Like, I got to look at my phone. I got, like, I'm mesmerized for almost two hours watching Mm -hmm. this. And as a stage performer thinking, okay, based on the work I have right now, maybe I got a solid hour. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that I feel like, and, and really, if I were to, like, really whittle it down to, like, the strongest performance I have is probably a solid 45 minutes, really. If it were to just be as tight, and as great as it could be, it's 45 minutes. And thinking, I can't imagine getting to the point where I have enough excellent work to fill almost two hours. And then I also appreciated the multi-generational approach that she took, to your point, right? right? I felt like the layers of some of the songs that she came in and out of, like it was like her songs, but then she might also like, go in there and she hit that hay in the middle of the barn and I was like really we just gonna mm-hmm. right here mm-hmm. in the middle okay yes and yes it did. and it worked <laughs> oh my gosh and then there were some worked. other songs that I was like I don't even know what this is right yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I love it 
I just don't know what yeah. it is. So that means there's a whole other group of people watching her flip into that song that are like, yes, that's my mm-hmm. stuff. That's that right. belongs to us. That belongs to our generation. I felt like you could have watched that in a multi-generational room and everybody felt included. And that's amazing right. that an artist can do that yeah. in a performance, you yeah. know? So it's something about longevity that makes you think very differently about audience, right? Mm-hmm. So like one of the things that um, even as I've been um, thinking about as a creative, when you're talking about legacy, when you're talking about longevity and purpose, like that means that people beyond what you just like <laughs> consume you. And that, you know, here it is that I want to do a homecoming experience. I can't just do a homecoming experience that is steeped in just what I've done, right? So, like, when I was at TSU, we weren't swag and surfing, right? That became something. I graduated in 04. Swag surfing became something that was complete, was that came after me, right? So, like... You know, the times that she's talking about where she would go to homecomings, they weren't flag surfing either, right? But that is a key part of like HBCU experience and culture now, that song, right? Hey, in the middle of the bar, like I think all of our bands play that at this point. Like, you know, it's just, but again, it is to, it acknowledges that I am not just a voyeur into your experience. But I consume it and I respect it and I appreciate it. Yeah. And um, and that, you know, I'm not trying to be one of these young kids. Like, you know, because, because I mean, at 37, Beyonce is really hidden auntie status for a lot of them. Right. Right. Like when you think about like young teens, like late teens or early 20 in college, like she's old enough to be an auntie um, and a, a much older sister. And she doesn't shy away from that. And I think that that is what sets her apart from a lot of entertainers who feel like they have to chase the sound, who feel like they have to chase a certain look or who feel like they have to chase a certain experience. Where her, you're getting like, look, like, what's she saying that? Like, I got to go home and I keep living. Like, I am grown. I got a husband. I got all of these kids. <laughs> Like, I I need sleep. Like, I'm not, you know, like, I think that that when you become very clear about who you are, mm-hmm. it radiates in everything that you do that, like, I can honor you and I can celebrate you and I feel like I'm trying to be like you. Yes. Oh, yes. And I want to talk also about what your thoughts were having seen the full Coachella performance and then getting to see it again here in this film, but with much better quality and, you know, everything. I remember watching somebody, bless their hearts, whoever did it, somebody posted the full performance on some website that I can't even remember. And I I was watching it on there. It was grainy. And I was like, who cares? I'm excited to see this. But getting to see it in in its full, you know, HD quality. But I want to ask you what your thoughts were seeing these, like, behind-the-scenes pieces now that were added in to the show you'd seen because that like added so many layers to for me as well because then it was like we're getting to see not just Beyonce 
the performing artist, but we're also seeing Beyonce, the director, and Beyonce, the producer, and Beyonce, the businesswoman. And I think even if I were to look at, you know, just me perceiving her from the outside, how she's evolved to be able to show us certain vulnerable parts of who she is. You know, I feel like me entering the game, sorry, Beehive, at like what y'all probably feel like is the worst album to walk in on, but, you know, (laughs) it did a lot of things in my personal life. So me walking in on I Am Sasha Fierce in an era of Beyonce's life where she sort of had this alter ego to hide behind. And it was like, oh, this is the person I become when I'm on stage. And then, you know, this person I am behind here, most people are not going to get to see because I'm not going to be doing a lot of interviews and I'm not going to be talking to you about my relationship. And then in Lemonade, that was even interesting to me that sort of what would have been not necessarily our behind the scenes view, but what was our narration in between the music that she chose the words of a poet. You know, she chose Warsan Shire's work to include there. So we were it felt like, you know, seeing her say those words, uh, first of all, honestly, Candace, if I'm for real, for real, I was listening to it when I was watching the Lemonade film at first. I was like, if Beyonce just going to wake up and write poetry like this, like, I really need to rethink my career. <laughs> like, I was, I was like, I need to rethink this. And then when like it came out the next day or so, like everybody that that poetry on there. Or San wrote those things. I was like, okay, okay. Because I was like, if Beyonce just waking up writing poems, like, what do I need to do with my life? But seeing this behind the scenes, just as a fan of hers, I feel like she let us in in a way that I had only ever seen her do at her shows. Where like when she did the Lemonade tour, how there was like that montage of some of their wedding footage, you know, some stuff that you know is personal, private things that were not out in the public. What were your thoughts about seeing this other aspect of Beyonce and that she allowed us to see those behind the scenes parts? Yeah, I think um, I think what has always been, um, and I wrote about it a little bit in the, um, the Queen Bee anthology that's out um, now, is the need for Sasha Fierce and then the moment where she says, that for her, Sasha Fierce had to die. So like 2011, 2012, right? Where where she doesn't feel the need to like hide behind this alter ego anymore. And so now what we have is the same person that we see in front of the camera is the same person behind it, right? Mm-hmm. That like, that there is this intention that I don't have to compartmentalize myself to be appropriate for certain space. And a lot of us, particularly as Black women, we struggle with that because you get named <laughs> very and branded and labeled very quickly if you're considered too abrasive for certain spaces, right? right and right. so Sasha fears as a way to say, you know, I'm only like this badass on stage versus, you know, and I'm meek and demure, you know, off stage that still gives her a certain level of breathing room. You know, like a lot of us try to do that. Like, nah, like I'm just, when it comes to business, like I don't play, but like in my other life, like you see the ways that, I mean, and even more so with how social media can create when we, when you are a black woman who talks about race and gender, that social media can create these very polarizing attitudes about you. 
right? That like, um, that you have to navigate in some very raw and frustrating ways and you get painted in a certain way, right? And I remember I had to stop someone from saying like, oh, well, you know, that's just who you are on on your platforms, but I'm sure in real life you're different. I want to know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the same person that you're gonna get in 280 characters that you're gonna get off stage and behind the scenes because we've been taught that our personalities and who we are aren't necessarily acceptable, right? And so, you know, one of my favorite moments of homecoming is when she thanks her team and says, you know, I know you guys are working hard. We just got to get there faster. Like, I appreciate all the work you're doing. We just got to get there faster. And then she says, you know, and until I can see my notes already apply, it doesn't make sense for me to make new work. Huh. Right? Huh. Like, you know, that like that moment of just being like, okay, be clear. Like, I'm not just telling you what needs to change for my breath and for the sake of talking. Like, I'm telling you something and I don't see where you're implementing and as women at large, but Black women specifically, it can be difficult to own the fact that you are the boss, right? Yeah. So, like, it was really difficult. I took a step back for, like, a month and a half from doing my own podcast because I felt like the level of production didn't match where the level of production was on all of the other things that I was doing. And I wanted to wait until it could be at that level. And I remember people telling me, oh, it's not that bad. Don't worry. Like, I was like, no, like, I know what I want my stuff to look like and sound like and feel like. Mm -hmm. And I don't really care if you, I I had to say that to a member of my team. Like, at first it kind of stung to say it, but then the more I, I realized that it had to be said and that I wasn't trying to be arrogant, but I was like, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that my name is on it, yeah. right? Like, you work very hard behind the scenes, but when it crashes and burns or it doesn't look or perform in a certain way, nobody's going to be asking and putting that at your feet. They're going to say, oh, what is this trash Candace put out? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and because it bears my name, because I am the one that is consistent about branding because I'm like these things matter to me and I think that part of what she showed us was that like I didn't just she didn't just take the reins of being the the boss for figure's sake like she is hands-on and respected right she selected her dancers the colors mm -hmm. like everything she did with intention and what she's showing is that that's possible, right? Mm -hmm. That like, if you have a dream, if you have a baby that you are trying, a project that you're trying to nurture, it matters. <laughs> it matters to to be intentional about, you know, saying that that my name is attached to this. And so, and that my vision for what I see matters. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that was one of the most beautiful things that we got out of homecoming. That and the fact that it was important to balance, right? Yeah. So like, you know, she's very clear. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing 15, 16 hours of rehearsal anymore. Like, you know, I have a family and I have other obligations and I can't just spend all of my time at work 
and working on projects and practicing. One of the things I think is so funny is that there's these mugs and these shirts and things that say you have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce. Mm -hmm. And Beyonce is telling us like she don't even spend all that time thinking, doing what we think that she's doing. Right. Like like she's like, I'm going home and I'm going to bed. And so the importance of we can have all of these conversations about work-life balance and balance. But to see a person that we view and deem as someone who cares as iconic for us, tell us that I care enough about myself and I care enough about my family to not allow work to consume me, Mm. I think is a lesson that we get with homecoming that is applicable for a lot of us. Yeah. Oh, there's so much power in that. Like just hearing you recount it, I felt my feelings watching her say like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, didn't eat these things. When she went through the list of things she didn't eat, I was already like, ooh, sis, I'm never going to make a homecoming. I was already like, I'm never going to do that. And then when she got to the end of that whole thing, like, and we rehearsed this many hours and we did this, this, and then she was like, and I would never do that all again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I would never do that again. I was like, please free us, B. Mm -hmm. Like, free us by even admitting that. Like, just even the part, one of the parts that really impacted me when she showed the footage and was had had the narration over that of what it was like for her coming right back uh, into that after having had the twins and having taken her break, her maternity leave and different things, and then what it was like those months later and realizing, mm-hmm. oh, this body I'm in is not right. the same body that I remembered because the pregnancy was hard, because the C-section because of all these different things that there's no way you can plan. And I haven't had any children myself, but I had to have a really tough surgery two years ago Mm -hmm. and lost my lung capacity. And it it took me having to be in recovery like six to eight weeks to even regain my lung capacity. And for me, it's like, you know, I mean, I'm sure similar to you. It's like my voice, that's everything. That is everything. That's everything. That's my instrument. That to me is what the dancer's body is to the dancer, is my voice. Yeah. And to have had a physical and physiological experience where I'm having to do these exercises of like blowing into this machine so many times a day just to like get my lungs back up, not even being able to raise my voice to someone across the house. And how that taught me in this really immediate way that I was going to have to be more gracious to myself and be more patient with myself and accept that, you know, there may be some like new ways you have to take care of this body, you know, Mm -hmm. than what you were doing, right? Exactly. A lot of times we're afraid to talk about the changes our body has gone through and that those changes scare us, Mm -hmm. right? I had a surgery that in a very similar way, like I'm still, I'm still finding out new things about my body in light of that procedure. And it can be nerve wracking what technology of knowledge you had about yourself before is not necessarily accurate now. Um, and learning how to not get frustrated with myself, right? Learning how to say, okay, 
like this is it's gonna it's gonna work itself out. You're gonna figure it out. But then also giving myself permission to see it as a beautiful as a beautiful journey and beautiful adventure. Yeah. Um, and I think B is like a lot of us where like in order to achieve a certain goal or a certain thing, like we may push ourselves, we may push ourselves to the limit. And then some of us get there, some of us don't get there. And the truth of the matter is that for all of us, whether we get there or we don't get there and decide, yeah, when I do that again, that might not necessarily be the route that I take. It was all necessary for us to learn how to be gracious with ourselves. Mm. Like it's almost like you got to sometimes you got to go to the extreme before you realize, like, I don't have to do that with me. Right. That like I can be gentle and I can I can have real good care. Again, there are ways that this time you may not have been journeying. So lemonade, you may not have been you may have consumed it and may have enjoyed it, but may have not been journeying through a heartbreak. Right. Mm. But like with homecoming, you may have experienced what it meant to have to like deal with your body differently after motherhood or after a surgery or a procedure and what it means to build your body back. Right. Um, That like she gave us another glimpse of her story that other people could lean into and see themselves and say like, wow, like, you know, that, you know, it's possible that this does not have to, the negative implications of this or the negative side or the dark side that I see in this doesn't have to be the totality of the story. I think that there's a way that she tells us, you know, that we'll be okay Mm. because she knows it because she's been through it, right? That, That only Black women can do with each other when we really, like, truly see ourselves as sisters and love each other. That, like, there's a way that we can look at each other and be like, you, you'll be all right. Like, it might not be tomorrow. <laughs> it might not be the next day, but you're going to be good, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that so many of us get to take a story of healing away from homecoming because of the film that we didn't take away from it when we just saw the production. Oh, that's such a good point. And I think in a way it echoed a narrative for me that my Black women friends have been saying to me, and it was nice to see it echoed from someone, you know, with Beyonce's experience, you know, just rich and also as a performing artist. But just, I think if you watch it, if you were watching that performance without the behind the scenes, I think it could feed into this narrative of like, every woman needs to have this bar she's going to hold herself to. And whether it's realistic or not, you need to strive to achieve that. You know, you need to strive to do whatever this is you're trying to do in your life and do it quickly and do it fast and take yourself to the extremes of whatever that is, you know. And then to get to see the behind the scenes of how she did this, her reflections on whether or not she do that, the parts of that that worked, the parts of that that didn't, definitely echo to me, be in your process and let your life and the things that you have in front of you do your hard work, but don't beat up yourself. Be kind to yourself and be gracious to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that like, it's not like you can't have dreams and ambitions and things you want to achieve in life. It's not that you can't be a person who works hard towards seeing those things become a reality 
but you are not those things. And you are a woman who has value. And, and really, from the lens of what she's making there, you are a Black woman who is valued beyond, you know, these relational hats you might wear or beyond these things that you can do. You are of value just who you are as yourself in your body, in your skin. And it was just, it was beautiful to see that in a film but also to remember it being echoed, you know, when I'm sitting in a coffee shop across the table from a girlfriend or, you know, on Marco Polo talking to a girlfriend and being like, Beyonce saying something that my girlfriends are also speaking to me too, you know? Yeah, she is the universal homegirl. It's true. It it is true. She really is. She is the Mm -hmm. universal homegirl. And I mean, I think that Again, the beauty of this, and I think this conversation is a testament of that, um, the beauty of when you really do lean into creating art from a healed and a whole place, and you tell the truth about how you got there, Mm -hmm. it leads to to healing and hope for so many other people, Mm -hmm. right? Even take 7-Eleven for an example. Mm -hmm. 7-Eleven is a song about absolutely nothing. <laughs> but, when, but in the context of the car with your homegirls, it is a moment of pure and total joy, yeah. right? That yeah. like for those two, three moments or however long that song is, like you and your homegirls are letting loose and could care less about any and every problem that when you are out of that moment, immediately remember, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That like, and the fact that there was the intention to know that even that kind of joy and freedom is necessary, yes. right? Mm-hmm. That like, it doesn't have to always be this just very like, ooh, you know, here we are, like lemonade is about healing and repairing a relationship. And, you know, like even with homecoming, homecoming is a dope, Awesome, even if we did not have the backstory, mm-hmm. right, of what she was personally going through. And at the same time, like, it is this, like, moment that all of us get to enjoy and are hype about. And then you have the story that connects it to hope and healing and flourishing and thriving that makes it even more rich for us, mm-hmm. right? So, like, when when you lean into your truth, and you are on up. And I don't think a lot of people do it, right? Mm-hmm. So like let's because it's hard work to be honest with yourself and with other people. Um it's it's hard work which is why some of us enjoy the counterfeit authenticity. Mm-hmm. A word, um a word to that. But right, I mean that's that's the truth. Like it's some of us enjoy counterfeit authenticity because being real is hard work and yeah. it's scary work. But when you are honest about who you are and when you are honest about how you got to where you are and you are freed from people's expectations. Right. So like this that I don't even care anymore if you like it or if you don't like it. What I care about is what it frees me to do and it frees other folks to do that kind of space. Everybody can dwell in. Everybody mm-hmm. can't dwell there. Mm-hmm. Um, we would like for them to, but when you when you care about what other people think, like that begins to immediately 
push back on your potential for your own greatness. Y'all see how Candace act like she was talking about Beyonce, but she tried to get in my business. So um, <laughs> I just want y'all, I want to let the record reflect that Candace was acting like she was talking about Beyonce, but she's also trying to get in my business. And I didn't, I didn't ask for that today. So mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't ask for that at I'm all. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You're speaking a word, though. You're speaking a word, though. I think I, even just hearing you say the phrase that it it takes hard work to be honest with yourself and with other people. And I definitely, you know, we were we were growing up in an era where, you know, we all had that one friend or that one family member mm-hmm. that was like, I always stay real. I'm always real. Right. You know, like that person. <laughs> and, right. you know, it's like, OK, that's fine. But that person might they might be saying like, I'm always real, but that does not necessarily mean mm-hmm. you are willing to do the hard work of what it takes to be honest with yourself and be honest with the people that are around you. I mean, even I have to also bring up, uh, there's a couple of times in Homecoming that Beyonce chose to make a refrain of something that I just was like, thank you for just making a refrain of that. When she stopped and like middle fingers up, put them hands high. Yes. I was just like, thank you for carving out a little space right here just so that we could go over and over that. Because also, I needed some space to be angry sometimes. And I can't always yes. listen to Tear the Club Up at a moment. I needed to, you know, right. middle fingers up, put these hands high, wave them in his face. <laughs> listen, like, and that's the other thigh. part where, like, I was looking, so I watched it. I watched it this morning again in anticipation of our conversation. And, like, there's another part of us that won't, like, that we have difficulty acknowledging and embracing our um, our fierceness. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fact that, like, we have people who, like, copy us, right? And, like, who, who can say all the stuff about us but don't, you know, I'm learning that, like, I used to be like, oh my goodness, like I'm I'm so supportive of X, Y, and Z. Like, why are they not supportive of me? But like all of the foolishness that like, you know, until you realize that like, nah, like there are some people who are deeply jealous of you because they haven't worked out their own stuff and that doesn't have anything to do with you, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this part where she's like, I woke up looking like me. Yes. Woke up, they sitting there talking like me. And then she does like this like laugh. And I was like, yes, be talk your stuff. Because, like, the truth is, is that, like, I can be supportive. Like, I, I, and I get into my, like, I, I can, I am, I walk in humility and I walk in graciousness because I believe that that is who God calls us to be. And I believe that she walks in the same thing. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there, there are moments where I can be like, mm-hmm, yeah, like, I know. I know that the Lemonade syllabus changed a few things. Like, I, I know that 443 changed some things for some folks. Like, give me my flowers. Like, I I know that my name rings in these places. Mm-hmm. And that's okay to say. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay to say. And that's okay to acknowledge. And I think she gives us that kind of, like, fierceness to... Um, there's this fierceness to own who we are and our joys, like in ways that, man, like I, I am excited 
about the next generation of women, the girls who are here and the girls who are coming that won't have to struggle with certain kinds of inferiorities and certain kinds of insecurities simply because our generation is getting freed from them. Right. Um, And so like they will grow up never knowing the same kind of frustrations that we have because we have, we're committed to ensuring that they won't like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's such, that's so freeing and so beautiful to me. Oh, like that just brings me back to what you were saying earlier about that word legacy. And I think thinking about this season of life and feeling not necessarily like I'm in midlife, but in legacy terms, feeling like I'm standing in the middle of these women who've gone before me and that I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the things they've done. And as I stand here, I am more concerned than I would have been 10 years ago about what am I doing that is leaving good things for the women who are coming after me? You know, how am I like stewarding the space that I'm in, that I'm leaving them in an even better position than I was given emotionally and physically, spiritually, you know, and as many layers of that as I can think, you know, that's totally in my mind in a different way. And maybe so for her as an artist too, kind of being in that similar age range. I I didn't expect to be thinking that at this point in my life, but it's it's hugely important. No. Like I um I just came back from Israel a month ago and in ways that I was not thinking about that before that trip. Um I have come back and I've really begun to think even much more intentionally about legacy. Because the truth for all of us is that even when we have not been acting like and operating with the knowledge that somebody has been looking at us, there were still people who have been looking at us, right? right? right. And so Mm -hmm. there's a way to navigate the space of being true and authentic to who you are. And then also recognizing that there has to be something about what I do and what I create that lives beyond me. Right. And that not only lives beyond me, but it frees people other than me. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of us, what happened with our parents and understandably so is that so many of them have to focus on like working to care for us and and make basic immediate needs available that the kind of dreams for legacy and the kind of lives that they wanted to live were not necessarily their immediate first thought, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it couldn't be, right? And so I think about, you know, that not only the ability for us to at 40 in our late 30s have conversations to think about, okay, what do I need to do now? that continues to create the legacy that helps to make make straight and make whole and make healthy the path for those coming behind us yeah. behind me that is not made possible 
without some painful sacrifices of Black women in our past, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that the truth of it is that our decision to take legacy seriously is in gratitude, is a move of gratitude for that sacrifice. Yeah. It's to honor, you know, that like my mama wanted to go back to college years, like wanted to go and finish her PhD years ago, but she had to raise a girl, yeah. a baby by herself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so, and that my, that my flourishing was as a child and as a young girl was much more important to her than to fulfill her own dream. Far be it from me, right? To deny and make and make mockery that level of sacrifice by not fully living into everything that she knew that I could be and everything that people invested in me could knew that I could be. Yes. And I think so many of us. I mean, are in that moment where we're like, wait a minute, like we get it, right? That like, that these moments are not possible without, you know, our mothers trying to figure out how they was going to pay all these bills that was on the table, right? Mm -hmm. And still allow us to have these, these childhoods that weren't marred in, in what we could not be, right? (laughs) You know, like that's a, that's a that's a big deal. I get excited about the the women, the sisters who hear us, who are are working towards freedom. But I I get so much more excited about the girls who who hear us, who follow us, who will come to know about the work that that we're doing, who look at Beyonce, right? Who saw Homecoming, who saw even I mean even the way that like I had to catch myself. When my cousin, my cousin is a freshman in high school, but she's a, like, she's been sheltered in so many ways um, to her own detriment that my mom used to get on my aunt and my uncle about. But I had to catch myself because we were watching on Easter Sunday, actually. We were watching Homecoming as a family. And it got to the song Partition. And my cousin was like, oh, that's partition. That's my song. <laughs> and I caught myself like looking at her, like, was like, what you know about partition? What to say, huh? But then, <laughs> right. Like I was like, wait, what? And then I stopped myself because I didn't want to say anything that would make her feel embarrassed. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because at the same time, at 14, 15, she's, she's coming into her own and not understanding her body. And I don't want that conversation. I don't want her to feel like, right. Mm -hmm. That she can't come to me. Right. Right? That like, I want her, like, you know, the, now the conversation that we have had the sex conversation with her is a completely different conversation that I have with my friends who are 35 and rightfully so. Sure, right. Yeah. But like there, but, but I, it was so funny to hear her say partition was her song and she knew all the words and she was sitting over there and her, her dad, my uncle was, was getting like, Oh my God. And when the more she sang it, I sang it with her and we were like dancing. And I was like, wow, like this is how it was. And I was thinking, no, no, no. 
with my friends in high school, right? right. And then and and this was how like like genuine's pony came out. And like uh, we were singing, uh, we were singing uh-huh. pony and had no business Mm-mm. singing pony. Mm-mm. Right. But like, but that was also part of a natural exploration of our bodies and like and the sensuality of our bodies. And I don't want my cousin to grow up feeling like even singing about it in a certain way is negative and nasty and vile, right? We can have conversations about what it means to be responsible in actions and what it means for her to to, to recognize um, how to explore it in ways that honor her and choices that she wants to make for herself. But the truth is, is that we can't have that conversation if I make her feel like what she did initially was wrong and vile, uh, right? Um, and so, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I, to foster and cultivate shame in her mm-hmm. and then think that, you know, a year, six months from now, when she's really confronted with, do I want to do this or do I not want to do this? And she doesn't feel like she can talk to me mm-hmm. because I made her feel a certain kind of way. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there are ways that younger girls will not have to deal with that because we are break, we broke free and because we're rethinking what it means to be adult women who have eyes of younger girls on us. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? That doesn't take away from any of and I tell her all the time, like it don't take away from the choices that I make as an adult woman that I want you to make different ones right now until you can, you know, until you have much more knowledge about yourself and your body and who you are to make that kind of a weighty decision. Right. Like the honesty about them seeing us walk fully into who we are invites them to be honest with us. Mm -hmm. And I I get really excited because I just know that there's shame and that there is inferiority and there's doubt and there's disbelief that so many girls won't know because we're doing the work now to really heal and be whole. Yes, Candace. Yes. Yeah. That part, like that, that gives the the journey of healing or, you know, to to the theme of this film and album of coming home to oneself. It yes. gives it these these layers that you are doing that firstly because you deserve to come home to yourself and right. because you deserve to to have that healing and you are worth doing that work in your own life, but that there's this additional blessing that can come from that, that as you come home to your own self, that you have the opportunity and the possibility of helping the women who are coming up after you to also find what their own journey is going to be to continually coming home to themselves too. And that, Yes. That's dope. That's beautiful. Yes. Since this interview, Candace has been booked and busy. Okay. Candace is working on her debut book, Red Lip Theology, which will be published by Penguin Random House. Candace is also the founder of Healing at 325. And she's also launched a holiday baking bundle as well as reads and reds. 
Books and Looks for a Righteous Black Feminist Slay. For more info about Candace Benbow's writing and work, to get the holiday baking bundle, to get reads and reads, you should visit CandiceBenbow.com. You can also follow Candice at Candice Benbow on Twitter and Instagram. And as always, you can get this and any information mentioned in the podcast in the show notes at AminaBrown.com slash Her with Amina. This week, my woman to honor, my woman to give her a crown is Rianne Silva. If you don't know that name, you might know something that Rianne Silva invented. Rianne Silva is the inventor of the Beauty Blender, the inventor and CEO of Beauty Blender, okay? And if you wear makeup and haven't used the Beauty Blender, I recommend that you do. The Beauty Blender is a makeup sponge that has changed the game for makeup artists and makeup lovers alike. Rianne Silva, thank you for inspiring us and for inventing something to keep our makeup looking smooth and flawless. Rianne Silva, give her a crown. Brown is produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions as a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.